Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulihil karim wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'da. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, I'm your host Shabir Hassan. Welcome back to another episode of the Umfeed podcast. We're good to go inshallah. We hope you're having a good day. And uh, today's one I've got a feeling is going to be really good inshallah. We've got a brother with us with a very interesting background. Uh, really cool stories to share. Um, but this one is for those of you especially who are trying to like balance things, you know, like... You, you want to get things done, you're busy, and look, everyone's busy, like we know everyone's busy, you might be a student, uh, you might be a family man or a woman, or you know, you might even have your own business, you might just be working a nine to five, whatever it is, um, everyone's busy, everyone's got things to do, everyone's got commitments, but uh, I think the interesting thing with inshallah this episode is going to be, you know, how we can make use of our time, how we can be a bit more productive, uh, how we can balance Things like, you know, family, things like our deen, um, our our lifestyles, etc., etc. And how we can maybe even further ourselves, how we can develop ourselves into becoming more productive and, and better at the things that we do. So I'm looking forward to this one, inshallah. And it gives me a great pleasure to introduce uh, a brother who, mashallah, is a PhD candidate. So we're, we're talking academic here, right? So I'm feeling a bit, you know... Underwhelmed with the Alhamdulillah. But yes, uh, let's introduce our guest for today, Brother Salah Sharif. Assalamu alaikum. Wa Thank you so much. No, no, Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. And how are you doing? Alhamdulillah. I know you've come all the way from from Manchester. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. It's worth it, inshallah. Inshallah. Anything for Alan Feed. Alhamdulillah. So is it Manchester United or Manchester City then? Do you know what? Quite ironically, it's Liverpool. Oh my god. Yeah. I was influenced. Okay. I was influenced from a young age. Yeah. And I've drawn the dark side. So wow. that's why I have to leave. It's not because of Mo Salah, is it? Well no, actually, you know, <laughs> it's funny because growing up yeah. I was a really avid fan, really hardcore, like in mm. school, high school. And then Of who, I, sorry? Of um, Liv- Liverpool? Liverpool, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to watch every game, you know, just really be into it. Yeah. And as I got into uni, things got busy and it, it kind of fell off playing mm-hmm. football and watching football. So as I, as I got to the last couple of years, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'm not as interested as I was. And then now, like the best player in the league is called Muhammad Salah. And no. my name is Salah. And it's like, <laughs> such wrong timing. Yeah, yeah. And I could have had Salah. I could have, you, you know, have had if it, only man. this happened five years ago, it would have been perfect. I would have just been... been the talk of the town. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. The thing is, man, like, because you support Liverpool, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I think now... I should have mentioned like, that, isn't it? Yeah. You shouldn't have because, like, you're going to talk about productivity and I don't think it's productive with <laughs> Liverpool fans. So. <laughs> Khair, inshallah. We could say this is uh, ikhtilaf. Ikhtilaf. Yeah, that's it, man. Alhamdulillah. No, honestly, thank you for your time. Uh, I know uh, we're going to be speaking about uh, busy schedules anyway. I know you're a very busy person. And in fact... um. It's interesting because you're a PhD candidate, you know, alhamdulillah, you went down the route of going to university, mm-hmm. doing a master's, and then uh, and, and now, alhamdulillah, you're at the University of Leeds studying law. Um, but, the th- but here's the thing, I mean, like, but you're here to also, you know, uh, you're not here for university, you've come to London also to study the deen. Mm-hmm. So I know you've been studying with uh, Sheikh Akram Nadwi for, for quite some time now. But that's a really interesting mix, which... I don't feel like we see enough of maybe, mm. you know, like people going to uni um, and focusing on their, you know, their their studies and their careers, but also like studying on the side of the deen as well. So you've, you've even in, in between, you've traveled to Egypt as well um, to study the Arabic language and you're studying this. So tell us a bit about why you do that. Like, because you could just stick to your, your PhD and, and you can just have a nice successful career. But why do you also study the deen on the side? Well, um, 
you mentioned in the introduction balancing, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll go ahead and just address that immediately because you mentioned Shaykh Akramadu, Hafizullah. He, he, he taught us that there's actually no such thing as balance. Mm. There's no such thing as balancing two unequal objects. Okay. Inherently, if two things are unequal, they're not going to balance. One's going to outweigh the other. So as for dunya and akhirah or priority, there's no such thing as balancing two things that are not equal. Rather, we prioritize. Okay, so you, you prioritize one over the other. Mm. Right. And so obviously when speaking to the people, everyone's different. Not everyone needs to be a scholar, not yeah, everyone yeah. needs to be a teacher. Everyone, you know, you, you could be a, a working man, you can be an intellectual, you could be anything. Mm. So what I would say then people need to then reapply to themselves. But for myself, the my foremost passion is seeking knowledge, mm. ilm, you know, like yeah. Islamic knowledge and um just getting closer to Allah through studying his religion and understanding what he wants from us. That that perspective and so if we want to prioritize then you need to then reevaluate you need to say okay what's important to me what's my passions what, basically what do i want to get from life mm. not just a simple answer jannah okay but how do you want to get jannah like what's the important thing to you from a dunya perspective what do i want to achieve from this life and then you put that at the front you put that yeah. first then anything behind that almost is a facilitative thing so anything that comes second or third is facilitating that so for me um like I said, studying Islamic studies, that's that's the number one for me. That's, that's important mm. to me. That's why I enjoy. That's what I have a passion for. But at the, other, at the end of the day, you've got to feed your family once you get one. You've got to yeah, have yeah. sustenance. So we're, we're pragmatists as well. We can't just go and study. Well, how are you going to eat? How are you mm. going to drink? Right? So you need to balance those things. And so for me, everything else that comes after it, whether it's academia, whether it's business, they're all facilitative of that. So for me, I accept the fact that some portion of my time has to be towards the dunya. You need yeah, to get married. Yeah. You need to have kids. You need to sustain yourself. Now, then I then I really thought, well, which careers are most facilitative of seeking knowledge? Mm. And so my answer was, mm. well, academia. Although academia is very hard work, and uh, nobody should go into academia um, to have like you know to to to, to be laid back and to, yeah. and to get as if you know um, it's any easier than a nine to five. However, there's much more flexibility. So with academia, PhD, for example, I have a meeting once a month. Right. Other than that, you just think it's my time. Thing, I need yeah. to research, right? Mm. So I go to the University of Leeds, but I actually live in Manchester. Right. I go down once a month. Mm. Um, obviously, that's very difficult because you can just you can hibernate for a month and no one knows where you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be self motivated. But that being said, like today, I managed to come here. You know, yeah. although it might be a Saturday, even if this was a Thursday, I would have still come. It's 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 no problem to me, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I can then reorganize my time how I wish. Mm. And so this is very useful for a student of knowledge. If you have a if there's a scholar who says I can only teach you at three p.m., well, you say no problem. I'll come to you at three p.m. That just means I need to do my research at six a.m. Right, or six p.m. before or after. Whereas if you're stuck to nine to five, and of course no disrupt to nine to five, you know they can do mm. things in a different way. But if I'm stuck to nine to five, then um, it kind of limits my options to study. Yeah. So then I went, and then the second thing with academia is, I almost see academia as, like it is ilm. It's yeah. not. It's not sacred knowledge, mm-hmm. but it's still knowledge. It's, it's almost like secular. Yeah. It's like it is yeah, yeah. secular knowledge, right? So for me, that feeling of reading and learning, I enjoy this much more than mm. normal work. You know, nine to five, where you're putting an output. Like I did a law degree. Yeah. If I was a lawyer, <clears> you could maybe could earn much more money. But you you're. you're doing a service whereas as a as a professor as a lecturer as a researcher even if you're 30 for even if you're 50 years old 
you're reading something that you didn't know yesterday. So it's, mm-hmm. it's still like learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So although it's hard work and um, at times it sucks the life out of you, but <laughs> it's still, for me, it's, it's more akin to learning than it is to working. Yeah, so yeah. For that that's why, you know, I went into um, academia really deep down as a facilitation to mm. that. Um, but also secondarily, because I, I, I enjoy it. I, yeah. I, I don't buy this idea that, you know, for, for what, 70% of our lives, we're going to do something that we don't enjoy. So we can, especially in this country where we, the working hours are so long, yeah. only to then enjoy what you come home at seven o'clock, six or seven o'clock, then you've got eight, nine, 10, 11, nine, you have to go to sleep. So you've got four hours in a day. So I'm really not, I, I couldn't tolerate a lifestyle where I'm doing something for most of mm. the day that I'm not enjoying to enjoy those four hours in a day or live for the weekend. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd rather do something that I'm actually enjoying during the day. Mm. So that that was my intention behind academia yeah. and the same for business and the same for business i mean because the thing is that uh, nowadays people are talking a lot about breaking out of this like uh, nine to five mm-hmm. you know like system we mm-hmm. could call it um and there's a lot of talk even online like people are talking about this like you know it's it's almost like robotic you could say uh, like we said we're not disrespecting anyone in that you know no, that has the nine to five lifestyle but it's almost robotic and a lot of people that have gone into you know this 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 career and this lifestyle you know a lot of them they say themselves you know we're not really enjoying it yeah. it's just it's a bit monotonous just, yeah 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 and you know commuting every morning just yeah. coming back in the evening and not having much time um so like is is it a bad thing like is it a bad thing to be in this nine to five I mean, some people might argue well at least i have a timetable you know like yeah. it's not like yeah. every day i wake up and i don't know what i'm going to do like i know i'm doing something there's a timetable and if i want to do something else i could either wake up earlier and do it or when I come back, make use of the, the hours that I have. So what do you think about this? Like, That's a very good question because yeah. actually entrepreneurship or mm. business is very much like marriage from mm. the perspective. And that, that was a buzzword so that the youngsters can, can, <laughs> can wake up. Yeah, yeah marriage, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, this, this podcast is going to be about marriage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> entrepreneurship is very much like marriage in the sense that it's been romanticized mm. by a few people. And so... Both of those things are excellent. Both of those things are sunnah. Both of those things are rewardable. Yeah. However, when you're doing either of those things, you need to be informed. It's just like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you get a 16-year-old saying, oh, I want to get married and oh, after the prayer, I want to do tasbih on my um, <laughs> wife's fingers. And, <laughs> you know, my wife's, you know, my husband's going to wake me up for fajr. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. didn't wake up for fajr for 15 years. Your mom didn't exactly. wake you up. You think your husband's going to wake you up. Yeah? <laughs> so this romanticized idea, then once they get married, they're like, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with business we see these days. It becomes very fashionable to be an entrepreneur, right? Mm. You get these memes and, you know, I make money in my sleep and yeah, all yeah. of this, you know. None of that is accurate. And and like you say, it, it, it portrays the standard working man in a negative light, which is not true mm. and that's not fair. Um, entrepreneurship has its, down, you know, has its ups and downs and it's not for everyone. Yeah, true. Um, for example, being a business person, I can come to this podcast mm. Because my time is my own. Yeah. That being said, um, on the way here, I was dealing with, dealing with a client. And on the way back, I'm going to be dealing with a client. Mm. And, th- you know, there's so many stories. Like, I'm in Saudi uh, on a motorway at 1 a.m. Um, going like 90 miles per hour uh, as a passenger. On the phone to a client mm. who's, who thinks I'm in an office with a suit and tie. Yeah. And I'm sealing off a deal. Most people don't want that. Mm. right so i have like two phones i have like a personal phone and a business phone and that business phone is never off and so if someone calls me at 6 a.m or someone calls me at 11 p.m i'm gonna have to answer that 
I'm yeah. going to put my work on work for you know. Yeah. yeah. And in, in fact, uh, yeah, it was New Year's Day, and I I I, I forgot it was New Year's Day. And I was and I was in my office and I was doing work and yeah. and so I called up someone like a business call, and then they were very startled and I was like, "Where did you get my number?" Um, I was yeah. like, "Well, I got it from your website. I was inquiring about this service." Mm. And she said, um, "Well, you know, I wasn't expecting a business call on New Year's Day." Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, sorry, I'll call you tomorrow." <laughs> I didn't even know. It was New Year. You, you know, there's no know, yeah. boundaries. Like I'm just doing my yeah, thing. Yeah. Most people don't want that. They want their holidays. They want their evenings and weekends. So it's not the case at all. Mm. Um, it depends on your lifestyle. Yeah, so yeah. if you are committed, if you are mo- self-motivated mm. and <clears throat> you want to break out of that nine to five, then be my guest. By all means, go ahead and do it. Mm. Um, it's not what it's made out to be. And it, like, you know, nine to five is not inherently wrong. Rather, mm. it's, you know, that person who's doing nine to five, is he, like you said, is he making the most of his time outside of it? Mm. During that nine to five, is he really, you know, discontent with his life? Not not everyone is. Yeah. So long story short, not necessarily. Mm. Um, whether you do nine to five or whether you're an entrepreneur, it, it really the onus is on you to make the most of your time. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, some people they're doing nine to five and actually enjoying their job. And yeah, k- kudos, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to um, entrepreneurship, for example, um, alhamdulillah, it's a good thing that uh, a lot of Muslims they're now yeah. they're now you know exploring that avenue, um, but. You know, when it comes to like being a student, for example, like, you know, yourself as a student, even in the last few years, you actually went into, you know, your own startup kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And you explored that option. So is that possible? Like, can you be a student? And would you would you actually advise and encourage young Muslim students to also explore that? I, I know it's not for everyone. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. not for everyone. But, you know, like, is that also a good thing? Because what I mean, my personal observation is that you can't always rely on people, right? You can't mm-hmm. always rely on getting a job yeah. you know or some people some students in the summer they they have a job right and then that's it by the time the summer comes to an end the holiday um but at least with a business like you know that's that's your work um and you see the fruits of it and you're you're putting in that effort and you you're getting the money in um which can be a, a long-term thing as well even after you finish studying yeah so uh what would your uh, you know, is that something basically you encourage uh, yeah. other students? To I do? mean, with the caveat that we said that mm. it's not necessarily for everyone, yeah. and um, you need to know what you're getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. With that being said, absolutely is good. Absolutely is very much uh, um, encouraged because um, it's that independence, it's that financial independence. Yeah. So when people are studying, um, especially with like, if someone wants to be a student of knowledge or anything like that, and if they want to start doing it full time or if they want to really dedicate themselves to it. Then you go out and answer the question of, okay, well, where's my sustenance going to come from? Either um, your family can support you, mm. which I guess most people's family can't. Or um, you can rely on sponsorships and handouts. Yeah. Or you'll be financially uh, stable, financially independent. Mm. And so as for the first thing, well, then if you can, then alhamdulillah, that's, that's, a, that's a big ni'mah, that's a big blessing. Yeah. But most people <clears throat> are not in that position. Mm. The second thing, it's a possibility but now you're tied down to other people. Even if they say no strings attached, there's always there's strings attached. Nothing's that, free, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, you're respecting the community. People know like you're getting handouts. Or why, why should I listen to you if, you know, mm. you're not even making a living for yourself? They're not yeah. respect. you know, you're respecting the community goes down. And really all that leaves you with is number three, which is to be financially independent for that mm. reason. So that's the great thing about business. Um, if you're able to reach that stage, that you are financially independent, you don't need to rely on anyone else um and and like like we say you know 
Muslims now they're very much um, reliant and and attached to whether it's an organization or a company and yeah. you know so <clears throat> having those networks of financial independence that's an excellent thing um mm. but as we said and we keep saying is you need to know what yourself get getting yourself into um yeah. because it's not free money actually you're working harder than 9 to 5 most of Definitely. the time until you reach that stage yeah yeah you and know and um I know you mentioned at the beginning as well, like you, you had the marriage and, and the whole business thing. Mm-hmm. And you said both of them are wudu, both of them are, are sunnah. Yeah. And actually, that's that's a really valid point because the Prophet, sallam, he was also involved in business. Yeah. Um, as we know, uh, even before marriage, uh, sorry, uh, before prophethood, yeah. you know, with Khadija radiallahu And uh, it reminds me of a hadith uh, along the wordings of, you know, like the best sort of like provision and sustenance is the one from your own hand, mm-hmm. you know, like the work that you yeah. put in. Uh, like Dawood alayhi salam, you know, he was known to like be able to to mold things, you know, with his yeah. with his own hand. Um, so that's quite important because it's it's in our deen, you know, like the fact that uh, you're able to to work and to earn your own livelihood, and like yeah. we said, to become independent, financially independent, and not to rely on other people. I think there's a dua as well, like that's quite similar to this wording that um, you know you're asking Allah for pure risk, and and some people say that that's also what that also means is basically. Um, not relying on other people, you know, mm-hmm. becoming self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, so this is quite interesting as well. It's in the deen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the deen very much encourages prestige. Mm. Also, like, um, we get we get this impression being financially um, well off is, yeah. is a negative thing. And then we equate zuhud yeah, um, yeah. to be to be uh, an ascetic to you know being poor, mm. and this is very much not the case. So the Prophet so. He wrote like he, when we say like oh what did the Prophet wear and then we we wear um you know the uh, a thobe or shalwar kameez yeah. or something like this well actually more accurately to say the sunnah of a garment is to wear what's prestigious in that society yeah yeah because actually you know Aisha radiallahu ta'ala on her from afar she saw Abu Jahl one of the most hated of creation yeah. and the Prophet she couldn't distinguish the two yeah. from the back she couldn't distinguish who was who she yeah, had to yeah. go around and see <clears throat> they were wearing the same thing. Because they were both very prestigious people yeah. within that society, right? Mm. And Abu Jahl actually was called Abu Hakam. Yeah. Abu Hakam, the father of wisdom. Mm. He used to be that prestigious. And of course, the Prophet ﷺ renamed him Abu Jahl. Yeah. Because the true wisdom is yeah. to, you know, acknowledge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But back to the point is that the sunnah is to encourage prestige. So being financially independent and being even being well off, this is an encourageable thing. Because then mm. with that now, you have power within the society to yeah. influence Exactly. So the people of influence are the people who are presentable, who look good, people who who speak well, people who can 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 do change financially, mm. morally, all of these things, intellectually, right? Mm. So back to your original question, you know, why do you know uh, try to excel and do your best in the dunyawi aspect as well as the religious aspect? Mm. Unfortunately, these days, um, th- seeking Islamic knowledge is almost reserved for. People who have failed at everything else, yeah, especially yeah. in the East, unfortunately, and we're seeing it sometimes in the West as well with madrasas and things like mm. this. It's actually it's a very common thing in our countries is that um, you'll take the exam for medicine, and if you fail, then you're engineering, and if you fail, yeah, you yeah. do anything else, and if you fail that too, then you you'll just be, get pushed into the madrasa basically. Then you'll like, just do the Islamic yeah. studies. Yeah. So even at major institutions in the East, actually. Some of the students have no interest in religi- religiosity, mm. but now they're studying this. Why? Because they had no other option. So they need, you know, mm. they need to study something. And so now it's like not the creme de la creme. It's the it's the opposite. It's like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. it's the worst of the worst now. So the standard is 
lowering mm. itself. And right? long, long term, no, what, what it has we a, see... It has a huge impact. Yeah, because yeah. then the, the, the scholars scholarship. that we're relying on... No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So when we think of the scholars of the past, Sheikh yeah. al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, mm. yeah, these people, well, they, they didn't just choose to study Islamic studies because that was the only option they had left. Mm. They could have done anything else and they did do other things. They were, they were, they were doctors a lot of the times. They were yeah, tradesmen, yeah. they were engineers, they were carpenters, all of these things, but they had a passion for Islamic knowledge. So now you've got the greatest minds. Mm. And so... This is an important thing. Even one of the teachers in in uh, Manchester, Sheikh Kahlan, um, he teaches in in, in Saudi yeah. in Um Al Qura, but he teaches, <clears throat> as far as I'm, I'm I'm aware, engineering. Yeah, yeah. Then he may teach Islamic studies in his own time, but he's a professor of engineering. That's his thing, mm. right? And he's impactful and he's very intelligent, and you know you know so having the best of both worlds is very much beneficial for your Islamic yeah. studies because. And another thing on the same topic is that excelling in these subjects and going through higher education, although it's not necessarily the only option, but going through higher education and excelling in these, whether it's in the humanities or in the sciences, yeah. is giving you tools that you can use in scholarship. Mm -hmm. Definitely. The critical thinking, yeah. the anal analysis, analytical research, thinking, all of the all yeah, things, yeah research skills, all of these things are imperative for you know Islamic scholarship. So having an Islamic scholar who doesn't know critical analysis, doesn't know how to write a dissertation properly, mm. even how to cite it, all of these things, things, this is hugely impactful. And, and to be honest, we see, we see that, although we don't want to throw mud at anyone, but um, sometimes we see see that in some yeah. of these institutions. <clears throat> the, the approach to scholarship is very much a, a you know, I'm going to avoid buzzwords that, you know, <laughs> polemic words, but yeah. it's very much a following. You know, mm. you read a text and then you teach that text. Yeah. You didn't even apply it to anything in, in within our society. You have to contextualize, right? You yeah. Have to, yeah. But the contextualization requires critical thinking, it requires mm. analysis, it requires okay, so which part of this statement was a general one and which of it was specific? But rather if you just, you know, you don't have any of those skills and you're just memorizing basically. Mm. Well then, you know, we have computers, we don't need you to memorize. <laughs> yeah, so so true. You know what we we're seeing the that we're seeing the effects of that today. Like in, especially in the West, I think as well, with the, alhamdulillah, we have a lot of like, there's so many uh, institutes, mm -hmm. there's so many, like that's a positive thing, yeah, positive step to see the amount of, yeah. you know, institutes out there, the madaris and everything else. 100%. But it's not just about numbers, like it's not, it's yeah. not just about number of gadgets, X, Y, Z, every single year. It's about the quality as well. And that's one thing we're seeing, like in, in the prestigious universities, you know, the graduates, you'll see that they're actually later on having a positive impact in, in their own community yeah. and in society but then are we seeing the same thing with islamic scholarship you know mm -hmm. once they graduate is it just the fact that because i know like personally i know a lot of um you know like scholars who have mashallah they've gone through the system they've graduated but they're they're back into like normal jobs you know yeah yeah and you know the thing is even normal jobs like mm. that's not an issue however mm. Um, I'm sure that's not what you intended when you went to study for five to ten years. And in fact, you could have done this normal job without those five to ten years study. So exactly. almost like you have more responsibilities. Like what are you doing with your knowledge now? Mm. And we see whether it's Azhar, Um Al Qura, Medina, anywhere. How many graduates a year do we have from all those institutes every year? Yeah, combined. And where, where are they? This is the issue. And so when they come back, um, not only are they are they doing normal or quote-unquote normal jobs but they're, they're doing jobs that they could have qualified for 10 years ago mm. and like if i was to say oh minimum wage jobs 
there is no issue with a minimum wage job and no disrespect whatsoever to a person with a minimum wage job because if their risk is halal then inshallah you know yeah, they're yeah. on their way to jannah however the thing with the minimum wage job is that you have to work so much so many hours in order to you know have the sustenance mm. so why did you study for 10 years full time abroad only to come back failing to reintegrate mm. you know and because now you have a family now you have children now you need to feed them and now society is more expensive in, in the uk mm. now you're gonna have to work overtime you've got no time to teach no time to study in fact you, you're starting to forget what you studied in the first place yeah, yeah. um and this <clears throat> comes back to the initial point we mentioned about having that sustenance whether it's um independence through business mm. or whether it's going through higher education or whether it's go- learning a trade yeah basically you know being stable in one way shape or form um so definitely that's something we need to work mm, towards inshallah i want to move away slightly from sure. the you know like the scholarship and everything mm-hmm. else I'll, let's let's bring it back to let's say the majority of the the listeners and the viewers yeah. who you know they're they're students maybe at university college wherever it might be or they're working you know uh the family people so like I want to start it from from the from the beginning of the day, right? Because that's mm. like the that's the key 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 moment in the day, right? You wake up, um, and there's so much out there nowadays about like mornings, like yeah. morning routines, etc. I'll give you an example. So you'll hear you'll see a lot of videos, maybe on YouTube, or you'll read articles about you know four a.m., five a.m., six a.m. starts, yeah, mm. and the most successful people out there, you know, your entrepreneurs and your Bill Gates, etc. They're waking up early and they're getting this much done, right? So I, I I come across to that, but then at the same time I also to say, you know come across people that are like no you know you need your sleep so you need your eight hours of sleep a day, um, and not everyone's the same like Bill Gates he's comfortable with his routine you need to be comfortable with yours where is that like balance and mm. what uh, what's what, in like from the work that you've looked into and the research you've done like what's a good uh, morning routine. <laughs> You know, like most things, yeah. you know, the truth is somewhere in between, right? And mm. and and there's you know good points to both sides. Yeah. Um. On the one hand, we will definitely say that each person, um, you know, is programmed independently. Each person is different, right? Yeah. So some people are programmed to be night owls. Mm. You know, they 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 work better at night, and some people people are early birds. Yeah. However, I would venture. That especially with young people, especially with students, and that's why we, you know, most of the people here or or, or young adults um, who think that they're night owls is because they're going to sleep at two a.m. Yeah. It's because they get far asleep. So of course, if you wake up at six a.m. after you went to sleep at two a.m., you're gonna struggle, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> Go to sleep at Benny Adam time. Go to sleep at ten, eleven o'clock for two weeks, and then try waking up at that time and see the difference. Then mm-hmm. to determine are you a night owl or not. So that's the first thing to, to mm-hmm. get out of the way is that people who think that, oh, I hate mornings, I'm not a morning person. It's almost social to say that. It's like, oh, I hate morning people. Well, actually, you know, go to sleep at a reasonable time. Yeah, go to sleep before midnight, before 11 p.m. Yeah. Every day for two to three weeks. And then see, actually, do you feel fresh at six or seven o'clock or not? Mm-hmm. If you still don't, then okay, perhaps you're a night owl. But I'm, I would venture that most people most people and i'll be confident in saying most people that's not the case actually in the morning they're feeling more fresh yeah. and the prophet sallam, he said awesome. mm. the blessing the barakah of the ummah is in its early mornings yeah, yeah. and we have the likes of like abdullah ibn umar an. he would see his kids sleeping after fajr and he would kick them and he'd say wake up what are you doing <laughs> like, don't you know that this is the time that allah sends his rizq yeah you know the risk that you're going to get for the rest of the day this is the time that is distributed go after it Mm. I'm not saying I'm perfect like you know I, 
I, I might go th- we, we go through phases where we might have lines and we need to fix yeah, up yeah. and that aside I would say you know with the exception of those night owls then for sure the early mornings um, are where you're going to get most of your productivity mm. and yes we do need our sleep um, and we do need like six to eight hours as they say mm. well w- what's the issue with waking up at six o'clock if you go to sleep at 11 that's seven hours yeah right um, you don't need to wake up at four o'clock necessarily. You, basically, you just need to have some grit, some determination, and then you can tailor around your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were, if you are waking up early in the morning, then um, the thing is, the, the, this advice, the advice is, it, it needs to be catered towards a specific audience. So mm-hmm. when you're speaking to students, it's going to be different to speaking to a working man, working nine to five, mm-hmm. or a woman, or you know, some, some, so it, it's going to depend differ depends so whatever i say you, n- you know the audience needs to um, reapply it to themselves yeah but a student for example who's got some flexibility during the day he c- they can wake up at, at six o'clock and then they can have a nap mm. at, at the time yeah for like half an hour i've been having naps every day almost every day without fail for at least six seven years really like every day like if i don't have my nap for for a good two three days in a row like you know, mm. I, I feel really tired or start getting so that's cranky. So t- that's if you wake up early, uh, yeah, and then and then what you you manage to get a, a nice little yeah, afternoon I, yeah, siesta. exactly the 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 qaylula, this yeah. the siesta. Um, and in fact, I I wake up after twenty minutes without an alarm. Like I'm mm. just that used to it now. So midday, eleven a.m., even one p.m. Some around that time, I put an alarm for half an hour. Almost always, I, I wake up five minutes before the alarm. Just because that's what. How do you how do you feel after that nap though? Well, that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of research into it, so yeah. I, I won't go into too much detail. But you know, the audience are more than welcome to to research that. It, th- you got different types of sleep, mm. so you got like three stages of sleep. You've got the first stage, which is light sleep, then you go into deep sleep, mm. and then you go into REM, and uh, uh, which is like rapid eye movement. And this is where you're dreaming. Yeah, okay. the dream sleep, and you have a cycle every hour and a half where you go through each of those, right? Mm. And so, if you wake up while you're still in light sleep, then you're going to feel very refreshed. However, if you enter deep sleep and then you wake up, you're going to feel very groggy. Mm. And you know that's why some people they take naps. They're like, I can't do naps because if you wake up after about forty-five, fifty minutes, um, it's gonna you're going to feel horrible. Mm. So you need to find that sweet spot through trial and error. It's around half an hour. You sleep for about half an hour, then you're going to enter deep sleep, yeah. or an hour and a half, and that's when the cycle finishes and the new cycle starts now you go back to um, mm. light sleep and there are actually apps that you get you put it under your pillow and um, through movement and through heat it actually shows you what times you've been moving around what time mm. you're in light sleep so you can actually uh, depends how seriously you want to take it, it now yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so everyone's different so for me if I sleep for more than 40 minutes I'm going to get into deep sleep and if I wake up then I'm going to feel groggy so for me I always put that alarm around half an hour you feel very refreshed mm. and in fact you know it's not even about the amount of time you're sleeping. It's just about re- rebooting. Yeah. You know, your, your computer's not working. What do you, what's the solution? I'll ask you now, if your computer's not working, what's the first thing that IT guy's going to tell you? To basically try and reboot and, you know... <laughs> turn it off and turn, on turn again. Off. Yeah, exactly. Turn it off and on again, <laughs> yeah? Um, that's you just want to turn it on, off, off and on mm. again. You know, you're feeling tired, you're feeling stressed. You, you, just that, sometimes, like, it might take me even five or ten minutes to get to sleep. But even if I'm asleep for two or three minutes, that's fine. The fact that you were asleep, your, your body's reboot, rebooting. Mm. Some people actually I've heard, I've never done this. I think it's a bit too too extreme for me. They'll have a coffee nap, which is they'll drink a cup of coffee, then go to sleep. The coffee takes seven minutes 
to wow. be into, get into your system yeah. and that'll wake them up. Wow. I've never done that. So that's that a bit sounds, hardcore. That a bit, yeah, that sounds yeah. a bit crazy. A bit hardcore, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the time actually doesn't matter. The fact that mm. you're rebooting, <clears throat> you're feeling refreshed. Mm. So unequivocally, I would say a half an hour nap is worth more than two hours at, at, at night. I would prefer to wake up at six yeah. and have a half an hour nap at 12 than to wake up at eight and not nap throughout the day. Mm. So definitely to utilize that nap. Um it's amazing that, that it's from the sunnah like yeah. you know the qailula is yeah. from the sunnah and I, th- I guess their lifestyle is different like in the Arabian Peninsula it was like their day did start yeah. after Fajr yeah. and then they would sort of like have to have that midday nap yeah. and then they would continue and it's very rich in our tradition especially the scholarly tradition coming back to it you know like morning times like you said the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he made dua for the ummah in that early morning time yeah. um, but even our scholars like when you read their biographies and their stories you would know like that like, you 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 can never imagine like you would never read a, a biography of a scholar that's like carry, he carries on sleeping yeah. after fajr mm. and like not making use of that time like, even for me personally when i was like when i was younger and i was memorizing the quran like the morning time was the best time for memorization oh. if i waited until like evening that's like the worst possible you know yeah. your your brain is clogged up by then yeah. nothing is is going in yeah. um but in the morning your brain's like a sponge so if you're reading or if you're memorizing or whatever it might it doesn't have to be to do with studying per se it could be anything right um but i think that's really important like again coming back to the dean like we spoke about business it's dean related uh we're speaking now about even just routine is dean related so i guess our dean teaches us a lot that we just don't actually realize sometimes yeah. no absolutely do you know although we don't need dunyawi um justifications mm. for the sunnah the fact that we, we, the Prophet instructed us and the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, commands us, that's enough for us. Although when you look deep, when you look f- further, um, most of these teachings, they have dunyawi explanations to them too. And, you know, it, it, it almost always makes sense. Mm. Um, when you wake up in the morning, firstly, um, well, firstly, you're fresh. Like you say, yeah. like even our subconscious, every time someone speaks to us, our brain is storing things, storing information. When yeah. you look at things, your brain is analyzing and, you know, there's a whole lot of things going on at the same time. When you wake t- when you wake up in the morning, right, you're fresh now. It's almost like your brain is it's pure. It's it, it's, it's being filled up with information throughout the whole day mm. till you sleep, and then you know you're rebooting as we said. So when you wake up in the morning, you're fresh. Secondly, um, the distractions. No one's going to distract you, mm. right? Um, we, like when I do my Quran studies um, I have a partner and we do it together and this is what I definitely recommend to, to, to people who, who want to do something either if, if you're going to attend a structured class yeah. or if you can't then get a partner and you motivate each other because you know although the motivation should be feasible <coughs> sometimes we need to be realistic and say yeah, you know yeah. life gets to us and we need that push right mm-hmm. and you need someone else waiting for you so that when you if you don't do that work the next day someone's going to be disappointed with you going no no I'm going to have to I can't let him down I need to yeah. be there right so I have a partner and if we say, well, let's meet at 2 p.m. One day, I'm going to... Next day, he's going to have a meeting. We're having lunch. Something's coming up. But if we say 6 a.m., who's... Who, who, no one's got anything on. No one's got anything on. And, and, and people are sleeping at that time, yeah. right? Um, and the fact that everyone... You know, there's a calmness. Everyone's sleeping. Your phone's not going to buzz in. You're not going to get any notifications. There's no socialization. This is a consistent time. And the Prophet said himself, the best things are those that are consistent, even if they're small. So that's yeah another benefit of um, ha- having that morning thing is that it, it correlates with life and um, another thing is also as human beings this is how we've been designed by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala we can call it a fitra you know a, yeah. a, a scientist can call it something else but our bodies 
are in tune with the society around, not the society, but the the world itself. Mm. But like um, the the night and day, the sun and the moon, our bodies have a connection with these things. So even people pre alarm clocks, pre pre anything, hundreds and even thousands of years ago. Mm they would wake up in the morning and they would sleep at night. Why? Because the sun's out in the day and the, the moon's out at night. You know, pre-1800s, we'd be extremely unsociable and only like menaces in society would be out at night. Before the invention of the light bulb, before before we had street lamps, yeah, before before electricity, yeah. to be out at night, you, you would have to be like, like I said, like a menace in society, a thug or something like this. It would be very unsociable. You your body wakes you up. The sun, the heat from the sun yeah. wakes your body up. And when it gets cold, you want to sleep. And this is how we've been programmed. So even the cavemen, thousands of years ago, they woke up, the sun woke them up. And when the sun goes down, they go to sleep. And so our body is in tune with that. That's why I say only a few people, the exception is to be a night owl. Mm. It exists, people are like that. And you know, you can't tell someone you're not a night owl if they are. But the, the standard human being, how we've been designed, yeah. you wake up with the heat of the sun and you know your body's in its optimum design to learn in that time and that's why the vast majority the vast majority of students of knowledge who or who fall memorize of the quran they're going to tell you i memorize after fajr you know mm-hmm. and it, this is just a something a fact that this is just an irrefutable fact that most people who memorize things most people who study things they're going to do it in the morning whether you want to attribute that to the Prophet's hadith, or you want to you know, do analysis of uh, anthropology of human beings with the sun, however you want to go about it, this is, this is the reality. So, exactly. So, if you want to be productive, then it's good to follow people before us who, who, who they tried and tested. Mm. So, once you're, once you're up, then, so we've spoken about like, yeah. timing and everything. So, what, what do you do? Because, uh, again, like uh, people put out their, their own theories and their ideas, you know, yeah. you wake up, you have a, you work out maybe, you get your, yeah. you know, uh, or you know, some people say, yeah, read a book maybe. Of course, you know, we know like, yeah, you wake up, make dua, like, you know, pray pray, pray salah, begin with, you know, um, dua and prayer and things like that. But as in, in terms of activity, you know, do you work out? Um, would you read a book? Mm-hmm. You know, some people say even like, yeah, you, you're on your way to work, like listen to a podcast. It's, it's become a trend now. Don't be a podcast, make sure you know. <laughs> so like, you know, um, what is what, what would you what would you recommend and, and what would you advise? You know, the the advice is always it always comes with a caveat which is, you know, each to their own, everyone has their own thing, right? Um as for me, then the the, the key word that I always use when it comes to um productivity when someone says, Okay, well how can I be a composer? I use like my special word is compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. Which means quite simply to segment, to separate, right, to compartmentalize things are not mixed not all time is equal this is the important thing right and so an hour between 9am and 10am is not the same as an hour between 2pm and 3pm and with all due respect if you ask me can we do this podcast at 9am I'll say no sorry Mm. because for me 9am is very different to 2pm is very different to 8pm and like I said people need to apply this to themselves so for some people 9pm is the golden time of the, the day yeah. okay fair enough for me that's not the case for me like we say whether it's 6am or 7am mm-hmm. basically between Fajr and Dhuhr this is my golden time even for PhD PhD university 90% of anything I've ever learned or, or written or researched during my PhD mm-hmm. has been before Dhuhr okay. 
once it hits Dhuhr time, now my, my efficiency is exponentially decreasing. It's just going down. Mm. So it's almost like a race against the clock every day. What can I do during that time? Therefore, I need to, logically, I need to reserve the most intensive things, the most demanding things, the most important things for that time. Mm. So in the morning, like you say, memorize the Quran. If you want to memorize, I need to memorize it first thing. If I don't memorize the first thing, it's possible, but it's quite unlikely I'm going to do it later on. Whether it's because of meetings and deadlines or just because I'm too tired, mm. it's not going to happen. Right? As an exception, it'll happen, but as a routine, it, for me, it doesn't happen. I need to do it in the morning. If I, for, when I was in university, if I'm revising for exams, if I'm writing an essay, anything that requires just pure brain power, I'm yeah. doing that in the morning. I'm, that's the first thing that I'm doing. So now when I'm doing primary research, when I'm reading an article, when I'm reading um, uh, a chapter from a text, or when I'm writing, yeah. that needs to be in the morning. Yeah. And so any time between Fajr and Allah, and by definition, what does that mean? That means anything I don't need to use that much brain power for, I'm not going to do in the morning. And I, you know, sometimes I don't follow this advice and I come to regret it. So when I find myself answering emails at 10 a.m., I, I always regret it. I'm like, what am I doing? I could, I could do this at 2 p.m. I see. However, my research, I can't do at 2 p.m., so I need to do it now. So we need to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. The time that I spend in the morning is different to the time that I spend in the afternoon. And like I said, if someone's the opposite, that's fine. But you still need to compartmentalize the other way. So everyone needs to compartmentalize. Everyone needs to identify, firstly, which time of the day is my golden opportunity for brain power. And then place those intensive things and important things so there's like a balance between what's the most intensive and what's the most important important mm. and the mix between that and usually it's almost the same so for me whether it's Quran or whether it's PhD research or those two things they are the most intensive and the most important so that needs to go in the morning mm. then after that as you say you get to Dhuhr now I'm lacking now I'm tired because of all that intensive action let me take a nap mm. that's like phase one of my day by the way, this isn't an ideal day. <laughs> because whenever I tell people this, I don't know, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching me a lesson not to show off or, you know, to realize that everything's from Him. Because whenever I explain this to people, then right shortly after that, I don't follow my advice. You know, I'll have a lie-in or yeah. I'll, I'll start answering emails at 9 o'clock and then I think, you know, you need. So in an ideal day which where I'm following my own advice, yeah. this is what I would do. Then phase two is almost like recuperate and you'll have a nap, have some lunch. You know, fresh air, chill for a bit. Mm. And then phase three, back to work. But now, all those things that I've postponed, whether it's answering emails, teaching, meetings, phone calls, things like this, mm. important things, things you have to do, but don't require 100% of my brain, um, I'll do at this time, um, between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m., this kind of thing. Um, like I say, teaching, for example. If I was to teach... Um, Although teaching is not easy, I don't need to be hundred percent turned on. You know, I can start, especially if it's something I've taught before. I, you know, I, 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 when you're researching and when you're reading, you need to be just completely switched on. If you get distracted for a second, you've lost your trail of thought. Everything needs to be perfect. Yeah. When you're teaching, you know, you're going with the flow. I can do that at this time. So when someone says to me, "Can you teach me?" I'm like, "Okay, yeah," but at four p.m., yes. At ten, p at ten a.m., no. Right? Mm -hmm. I have my meetings and things like that, and then in the evening. You mentioned working out, um, whether it's um, martial arts or, 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 or sport or, or going to the gym. Whatever the case, I'll do that in the evening. Because that doesn't require any brain power. So this is now like you're winding down from the, the stress of the day. 
I appreciate what other people are different. They might need to get woken up in the morning so they go to the gym. I did try that, but for me, I, I feel like it's a, it's, it's a waste of this golden opportunity, mm. right? So if I'm spending the first hour in the gym, I could have done the gym in the evening. So it's more about brain power rather than your actual physical, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And like I say, everyone's different. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, you know, who's waking up at 5.30 a.m. every day, but he'll go to the gym. Mm. And then that, then now he, then he'll have a shower, he'll feel fresh physically. And the physical and the mental is very much connected. So he'll feel fresh and he's ready to go. And by 7 a.m. he's doing his work. Mm. So... Yeah, that, that's, and, that's, and that's I guess if you follow that through, um, you know, what you're speaking about, so like, you know, you're waking up in the morning, using up all your, you know, doing all the intensive stuff, following that through with your nap in the in the afternoon, um, and then carrying on with your day, I guess naturally by 9, 10 p.m., yeah, 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 you're yeah. going to be shattered. Yeah, tired all my friends, honestly, yeah, right? my friends, they always, uh, they're not happy with me because they always, I always, leave, I'm the first to leave, you know, yeah. in the morning, like, oh no, stay, if, if, if I'm from socializing, we're going to do dinner. It'll be like, you know, 9.30 and whatever, you know, <laughs> bedtime's coming soon, you know. Um, so, you, oh, absolutely, you get tired. And so, that's why I say people who think that they're night owls, go to sleep at a proper time and you'll see, you know. And people who say, okay, well, I'll go to sleep at 10, but I can't go to sleep. Uh, I'm, I'm laying awake at night. Okay, for the first day, struggle, you know, fight, uh, but wake up early. Um, you might have a miserable day that day because you're just sleep deprived. Yeah. But like you said, by, by, by 10 o'clock, you will be tired. You will want to sleep. Mm, yeah. Uh, just to balance it out, though, of course, like, you know, yeah, because like you, like you said at the beginning, romanticise, you know, mm -hmm. the, the hustle, the grind, the, the working hard and all of that stuff. But at the same time, you know, like, it's still important, right, to have sometimes those lines, get that rest, be sociable, go out, chill out, relax kind of thing. Because if everyone's just, like, following that routine seven days a week, Burn out, right? Yeah. So that's another danger, isn't it? Like, that's another pitfall of burning out, and then you can't do anything in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. So, from one perspective, um, burning out is always bad. You, mm -hmm. That's why, you know, even myself, while, while I've been doing this PhD, I've had to stop or postpone um, a couple of things that I was doing for long term mm -hmm. because if I'm doing everything, in the end, I'm going to do none of them properly. Rather, let me stop those things. Let me prioritize these things. Once those finish, let me get back to that. You can't do everything. It's not going to work, right? You're going to get burnt out, as you said. Um, and so I always say, like, even in my, my I, I wrote some ebooks for, for advising students how to, how to revise and not. And I say, look, it's not just about working hard. It's about working smart. Mm. Some people they're in the library for like 12, 14 hours. They yeah. didn't learn anything. They're, for one hour, they did something. It's not about how much time you spend. It's, it's the output. Mm. It's the productivity. So. If in four hours you did more than what I did in 12, then, you know, well done. That's excellent yeah. for you and that's shameful for me. So being busy is not a praiseworthy thing. Being productive is. So when people say, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, it's almost like they're patting themselves on the back that I'm so busy. Well, being busy is not a praiseworthy thing. Like, mm -hmm. Who said you, you're doing anything beneficial in that time where you're just constantly being busy? So definitely, you know, going overboard, will lead to um, burnout and so you need to find that balance between you need to be basically consistency mm. if you can pick a number of, a number of things that you're doing and you're consistent they're going to add up and towards the end um you're going to see real results um like a a, a person i see as, as, as a role model asim qureshi from 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 cage yeah. 
um, he reads like an, an obscene amount. Yeah, he uh, read like one he, book a day. Yeah, yeah, day, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah don't, you know, don't depress me. Uh, I'm doing a PhD and he read like 10 times more books than me. Yeah, this is my, meant to be my profession, right? So he read like 100 books in 2017 or, or, or more. Um, and so when someone asked him, well, how, how often do you spend reading? He said, well, I only spend two to three hours a day reading. You would think someone who, who, who read, finished yeah, a book like, every three days or like yeah. eight hours a day reading. But the thing is consistency. He does it every day. I don't think he misses a day. If he's watching this, he can correct me. All right? I don't think he's missing a day, but that's the thing. So you read, even if it's half an hour a day, even if it's an hour a day, that's going to add up, right? So if you burn after doing four hours a day, five hours a day, six hours a day, that's not going to happen. That being said, um, yeah, you can benefit from a lion once every few weeks. It's like almost your recharge day. But I don't buy this days of rest for every five days of work you know like what's that 30 percent of your of your life needs to be rest i don't think so i don't think so so i i mentioned when people ask me about productivity is like well there's levels of productivity so the first level is lack of productivity you never basically you're unproductive you're not doing anything you're always waking up late you're always missing things you're not doing anything and hopefully even the people watching this are not from that category because they wouldn't be watching this otherwise. Yeah. The second level of productivity is when you're productive for a reason, which means if you're working, nine to five, you're, you're waking up on time every time, you're not late for work. If you're a student, you're waking up for lectures or for exams, you've got a proper timetable and you're, and you're in the mode. Why? But, but you're, you're productive for that exam. So you're waking up to revise. You're waking yeah. up to go to a lecture. There's, there's a reason behind it. However, the problem with that is in the absence of that reason, um, you, are, you are no longer productive. So if you're productive and you're waking up on time for an exam, once you've taken that exam, now you have no reason to wake up anymore. Mm-hmm. Same thing for the working man. He's working 9 to 5, so he's waking up every day at 7 o'clock, which is excellent, right? Okay, well then what about Saturday? Now he's having a lion. That means every weekend he's having a lion. And then he says, what, 30% of your, of, of your life you're having lions. That's too much. We don't need that much rest, Yeah. The third level, on the final level, is to be productive as a lifestyle. Like this, you're doing it for productivity's sake. Yeah. So that's for the students. I would say, if you have a lecture at nine a.m. and the next day you have a lecture at twelve p.m., your wake-up time should be the same. Mm. You, you shouldn't be waking up later because your lecture is later. That means you're waking up for the lecture. No, but we want you to wake up for the sake of being productive. That means that time between seven a.m. and twelve, you could have done so many things, mm. right? Same thing for the working man. Work in a week, work weekday and a weekend. You should be waking up at the same time if you want to be a productive person. Yeah. If you're doing that every day, yes, every few weeks take a lie, take a rest, you know, recuperate, and it feels really nice to do that. And, and you re-energize when you're feeling. You know what? I'm getting too tired. Okay, have a day off. Do nothing and sleep. Why? Because that doesn't count as wasting time. That rest is for the purpose of productivity. Yeah. So even if the whole day you did nothing. No, no complaints. You're just refueling. Mm. But at what point are you refueled? And now you're just topping it up, right? <laughs> you know, you've got a cup, you're filling it up, and now it's just going to spill. Now yeah. this is just waste, mm. right? Yeah. So um, that's what I would advise is that, okay, don't burn out. But, you know, day after day, if you, you know, two days a week, you, 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 you're, you're, lying, you're lying in and you're not doing anything. But as a student... Mm. Um, you're waking up late every day. Why? Because you don't have morning lectures. This is taking it too far. Mm. So you need to find that balance. Be productive 
once you feel yourself burning out, have a lie in. A guilt-free lie in, and that's the difference. Mm. Let's talk about social media, because that's the day and age we're living mm. in. Um, since we're talking about productivity, uh, like, do you see a link? Because obviously, like, the, the stats are real, the figures are real, like the amount of time being spent on yeah. uh, consuming and social media, right? Uh, there's crazy figures out there. Uh, it's ironic because this is... Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. any advice I give, yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't apply to your own food viewers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I am not... This is the copy... The teasers <laughs> I am not responsible for any decrease in your own food subscribers. <laughs> exactly, right? So, yeah. we're going to be sharing this on social media platforms. But, like, we know, that, alhamdulillah, there's khayr and there's good yeah. on social media as well. But, like, we're linking it with productivity. So, as in, um, is there a link between being unproductive and the, like and nowadays the social yeah. media usage and the amount of consuming that people are doing like have you seen that absolutely yourself? man and, and this, this is this is um this is a, an epidemic this is a huge issue for myself like lately past few weeks i've been going through a slump and my productivity is just you know i've, I've not been following the advice i've been given today and so i keep telling myself you know you need to get back on it and a big reason for that is um social media um, and that's an issue for academia as well because you have so much control over your own time. Yeah. When you're at work and you're busy, well, you can't check social media. But as a student as, and also as, a, as an academic, um, you can be just researching. Then you swipe to, to the right and now you're on Facebook. And then you're scrolling and you get notification. And um, it, it's really a disaster for productivity. And so we come back to the word compartmentalization. You don't just compartmentalize the day, you compartmentalize the hour. Mm. You segment the hour. So what I say to people is I say, okay, this is in the context of students. My audience was a student audience. What I said to them was, you're revising, yeah? Take an hour. And from that hour, I want 45 minutes, turn everything off. Mm. Put your phone in another room. Just turn it off for 45 minutes, read and mm. do proper work. Then 15 minutes, guilt-free. Socialize, social media, go out, you know, go go to the bathroom, have a coffee, talk to your friends on the phone, do whatever you want for 15 minutes. And then you might think, well, for 15 minutes, what's that, a quarter, a quarter of the, the, the hour, a quarter of the day you're wasting? That's fine. Because actually, if you're spending hour after hour not, not doing following this formula, just you're spending an hour after hour revising, but in between that revision, you've got notification here you got whatsapp you got facebook you got instagram you got but you know what that i'm exposing my age because i'm talking about facebook and whatsapp but i guess these days i should be saying stop that and instagram yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what they're using yeah. right now i don't use facebook i'm not old <laughs> that was the first time i realized that i'm getting old the first time i ever thought that i'm getting old is when someone said facebook i don't use facebook <laughs> time to change anyway when you're working hour after hour but these things are being interrupted with, with social media. You can work for four hours. But from that four hours, I can guarantee that more than a quarter of it was spent on social media, on, mm. you know, um, whether it's Reddit or anything else, getting distracted. So I say, yes, you, you need some discipline, but you have to compartmentalize. So spend 45 minutes with no distractions. Then 15 minutes, go on Facebook, do what you want. Then 45 minutes, then 15 minutes. So actually, I'm advising... That from the day, that's what, if you add it up, that's like two, three hours or more um, that you're on social media, but, but you've spent a good six hours uh, in return doing really productive things. So social media itself um, is not so bad, but the problem is when it consumes you and it consumes your productivity, it, you know, 
you need some organization to it you need some discipline to it and as soon as you let go of that discipline that routine that organization um it's going to come to bite you and it's currently biting me now so you know for me yeah. you know facebook is, is if, I, if, if i don't complete the phd it's because of facebook that's the problem <laughs> you know, yeah yeah you might as well put it in your acknowledgement as well you know yeah <laughs> facebook oh <laughs> yeah i would like to thank my advisors and i would also like to thank facebook for extending this phd for another year but yeah, on your personal, on my personal, what I've started doing is I've just put on mute whilst I'm working. Uh, that way, I know like there's less of a chance that I'm gonna look at my phone yeah. and check it. Yeah. That's one thing, and it's interesting because um, we had Sheikh Sajid for the first podcast, so, uh, Sajid Omar, and he said like every now and again have cave days. He calls it mm-hmm. cave day, where basically you switch off from everything, like, yeah. and even everyone, like you just go into hibernation mode and just focus on yourself, kind of thing. So I thought that was really powerful, actually. You know. Yeah. Just having some time to yourself because, like, even me, like, you know, you know, people say, like, the best, like, ideas are sort of in the shower, yeah? But you know what? Like, that's a good thing, man. Like, because it's time to yourself. You're thinking. I think that's what people aren't doing nowadays. They're not, like, you know, creativity is being killed because of social media. That's what I think personally. So, you know, be it like I'm into creative writing myself. Um, But the more I'm consuming social media... Uh, and the more I'm, you know, not spending time with myself, the more I'm, I'm finding that I'm actually, like, not producing much writing now. And yeah. I'm not thinking and I'm not coming up with ideas. As opposed to, for example, I'm on a long journey and I'm by myself, I'm driving, got a four-hour drive. In that four-hour drive, I've realised, obviously, I'm doing it because I have to get from A to B, but I've realised I've actually come up with really good ideas and I'm thinking and I'm reflecting because I'm by myself. Yeah. So do you think it's good to also be by yourself sometimes and just... Yeah. Have that time to yourself? Yeah, you mentioned two things. Um, so the first thing was the, the, the more practical uh, um, advice of, you know, putting things on silent. And, yeah, yeah. you know, knowing your weaknesses and, um, you know, acknowledging them and introspecting is a very wise thing and a very respectable thing. So someone knows that, look, when I see that little red circle, yeah. I can't hesitate, but just, you know, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't refrain from yeah. just going and doing it. Okay, then. Um, people use apps that block you from from your from from social media mm. once you've passed a certain threshold so you know you can you can do it yourself but you say for example three hours after three hours you literally have no access to that app yeah. or like you say you know you put it on um silent i know someone who you know when he gets home he keeps his phone in his car and then he has a second brick phone yeah. that if anyone needs to call him for important things um but as for his smartphone you know once he gets home, that's a really respectable thing you know he might be seen as weak or something or you can't even refrain from actually no you know he acknowledges his weakness and he's working around that mm. and so you know he gets my respect and so that you know that's that's a and basically what you've implemented is that compartmentalization that i said yeah. is that you know for for some period of time you're going on complete shutdown so um that's definitely advisable as for the second thing you mentioned was that um cutting off entirely from a, from a different perspective not from a um productivity perspective per se but just from like um, a, a self-connection you know yeah, yeah. That, that kind of thing um absolutely you know you mentioned podcasts hashtag podcast. <laughs> um and podcasts are an excellent thing um to fill up your day with productivity right mm. um and for those people who are really not doing any productive thing and just you know whether either going on social media or playing games and watching films a step up podcast is a huge step up from that. Although I watched a um, a video once, and and um, it, it's one of these 
famous channels, although I've, I've forgotten the name. Mm. But he mentioned, he's actually like, you know, he, he was mentioning like podcast overkill. Okay. It's similar to what you said is that he said that, you know, um, technology now is biting us by being waterproof because now people are listening to podcasts in the shower. And as you rightly said, is that most of your ideas come in the shower. Mm. Now, why do most of your ideas come in the shower? Because that's one of the only times where you don't have access to technology. Mm. And almost now, we, we're breaking down that barrier. We're giving ourselves access to technology, even in the shower, because everything's waterproof now. Mm. So you've been in the shower and you listen to a podcast. But actually, give yourself that room to breathe. Yeah. Give the, your, yourself that room for creativity. Um, with Bill Gates, actually, um, is another video where Bill Gates, with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, um, they've known each other for a long time yeah. and Bill Gates said that Warren said to him like why are you so bi- why? like he looked at his timetable and Bill Gates was filling it up completely and he goes why is this so full yeah um, this is not a good thing you need to book time in your timetable for thinking <laughs> yeah and so as a CEO of a business like um, Bill Gates is the most important person in Microsoft he's the most important person in, in, in his company so his Thinking time is more valuable than other yeah, people's yeah. thinking. So for him to think for an hour is more valuable for Microsoft than for him to code something for an hour or have a meeting. And mm-hmm. someone else can have that meeting. Someone else can code. But if he, he's thinking of ideas, so as you basically, I'm reiterating, reiterating what you said. Mm-hmm. It's actually your time to yourself to, to, to think. And and now if we want to talk it from an earlier perspective, is contemplation, to double actual mm-hmm. thinking. And you know, sometimes I think like I'm in, like I'm in love with the moon. That's my thing. Like yeah. I look at the moon, I think, Subhanallah, like this is enough for me. Mm-hmm. To, uh, for any evidence, I'm looking at the moon, I think, Allah Akbar, right? But how many opportunities do I get to look at the moon? And I think sometimes to a time before electricity, a time before technology, and how easy it was for people to believe in a God, mm-hmm. right? Even if they've not heard of the message of Islam. We talk about fitrah, we talk about tawheed, like the natural disposition to yeah. believe in a God. And they say, you know, uh, I don't know how credible the experiment is, but they say, you know, I read an article once where they said, if you put like some newborn babies on the island uh, and they would just like, kind of somehow raise themselves, they would believe in a God. They wouldn't know how to pray, but they'll believe yeah. in it. Like it's a natural thing to believe in a greater, deity. Greater power. Yeah. Greater yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And... And, and, and I make that link in my head sometimes I think I say do you know what imagine a farmer mm. who's just got Allah's um, Allah's creation all around him mm. and he looks up and there's no light pollution which is such a huge deal like yeah. you talk about pollution but light pollution there are no lights there are no, and he's looking up and he can see thousands of stars mm. does he have a choice except to say Allahu Akbar like look at this you know in one of the retreats that we went to in Spain um, it was like a, a a campus Spain, like a few hours away from any city, and then you take another half an hour drive, almost like the top of a hill, and it's one of the cleanest uh, air spaces in the whole of Europe really? in terms of light pollution. Mm. And Allah, you take a look up, and there are thousands of stars, wow. and you're just thinking like, wow, this is just mm. unbelievable. And then there's almost a it's not a telescope, but there's like a, I, I I don't know if it is a telescope or something similar, yeah. but you look through it. And you can see the you can see the ridges on the moon. Really? So you're looking through and you see the ridges on the moon and you're just thinking, Allahu Akbar. Yeah. How easy it is for him to believe? Mm. And how hard it is for us. Why? Because we don't look up. Mm. We don't look up. 
First of all, we're looking down, looking down at our phones. Phone. <laughs> yeah. But even if we're not looking down at our phones, we're looking ahead. Mm. We're looking at the building which is blocking the moon. This is why I have never um, been impressed with, with like, obviously architecture is, is an impressive uh, field, but I mean like tall buildings when someone says, oh, you know, they built the tallest building in the world. I really, uh, I'm really not, I don't care. Like, because when I look away from it and I see the thing behind it, I, I see the stars, I see the moon, I see the sunset, I'm thinking, subhanAllah, this is not comparable. So it, it, it's, it's similar to what you said about um, connecting with yourself. Mm -hmm. And what Sheikh said, it said was like he would just have a cave day. It's for this in in a, in a similar light. If we just make an effort, and it's really hard because we get so distracted. If yeah. we make an effort just to look up, just to look up, and and you look at the stars past the the, the buildings, that it, in a similar way allows you to reconnect with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The same way having an alone time, because basically it's the absence of modernity, the absence of technology. Mm -hmm. You're just left with nature, uh, and this is an inherently religious thing, nature, because it's, it's, it's like an unadulterated creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. Um, so definitely I think that, you know, that, that and look at the Prophet ﷺ. Day after day, for weeks and months, he went to the cave of Hira. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And he, he's yearning how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's never been committed to Idolatry. He's always had that tawheed. He's always had that yearning, and he's saying to Allah, "You know, allow me to worship you." And he doesn't know how to worship. So, and Shaykh Akram always mentions that the verse "iqra," the first verse in the Quran, mm -hmm. "iqra," it means read. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean read, read a book. Yeah, seek yeah. knowledge, although seek knowledge is a very virtuous thing. Mm -hmm. What does read mean? Basically, whenever a portion of something comes in the Quran, it usually means the entire thing. Mm -hmm. So in the Quran, when it says, Qum, stand, Qum in layl, stand in the night, it means stand in the night in prayer. Mm -hmm. Or sujood, or ruku', irka', ustud, these kind of things, it means pray. It means do sujood, not random sujood, it means do sujood in the prayer. Yeah. So, iqra' al-Quran fi salah. Mm -hmm. So read, read what? Read the Quran. How? In the prayer. Okay. So actually, iqra' means pray. The Prophet is going day after day, almost saying to Allah, teach me how to pray. Mm. So Allah is saying, Iqra. A key component, basically. Yeah, it's basically saying, pray. Mm. And obviously, like you say, the main component of the prayer is reading the Quran. The Prophet didn't even read anyway, so how would it make sense to say read, you know? Yeah. So sometimes we use this ayah to say, we should seek knowledge. Indirectly, yes, you know, that's the benefit of it. Mm. But the Prophet was only able to attain that through that seclusion, by going to cave hill. Imagine he's trading day after day. Because that was the equivalent of like, you know, the, the grind that we're going through now. That's their grind. Imagine he was just in the market day after day. Does he have the time or the space or the capacity to to beg Allah for, for, for that clarity and guidance? No. So um I think I think what the Sheikh said is is extremely important. Coming to the, the end of the, the discussion now, um but I think one important thing to do is to basically like everything that we've discussed, whether it's the the the, the morning routine or whether it's the self motivation and you know doing all of these things and being productive. Um, obviously, for us as Muslims, there's a greater purpose, right? It's not not just so, yeah, we feel good or you know we can work out and and, and we are, we're in good shape mm -hmm. or you know we're earning more, we're getting good grades and, and everything else. But actually, all of this we can now combine into uh, both. For dunya and for 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 deen as well, 
and we can better ourselves whether it's mentally, physically, yeah, but important, most importantly spiritually, and that will enable us to actually come closer to Allah. Um, so I think that's a really uh, important note to end off on, because yeah. especially we mentioned the Prophet and, and some of his practices. Um, but let's end off on that note yeah. as to how we can now just bring all of that together and now become a better Muslim. And like we said, we don't have to be a scholar. Like, you know, if people are listening and watching, you don't have to be scholars, you don't have to be yeah. students of knowledge, but you could just be doing a nine to five. You could be, you could, you could be a businessman or woman. Um, but how do we like incorporate all of that into, into Yeah, that? you know, I was, I was discussing with my friends mm-hmm. uh, um, a couple of weeks ago. We were having this conversation about um, working life and mm-hmm. um, alhamdulillah, they're all qualified and they're all, you know, working quite hard. And one of them said like, you know, uh, like you say, I'm discontent with just working so hard for, them, for, for what yeah. reason, right? And then someone else said, um, well, actually, the Sahaba, they work longer hours than us, you know. So it's not just necessarily about, um, like you say, just, just, just seeking knowledge and ibadah. Actually, work is ibadah and this kind of thing, right? And what that made me think was, well, what's the difference? What's the difference between us and the Sahaba who, rightly so, are working longer hours mm-hmm. um, from sunset, from sunrise to sunset, and they're working so many hours, you know, like... They don't have weekends. The sheep don't, uh, you know, stop running around uh, just because it's Saturday. Mm. They'll be doing that day after day, right? And then that made me think, you know what? It's the inherent connection back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we say, like, it almost becomes a cliche now. We say, um, working is is ibadah also. Mm. Family life is ibadah also. Everything's ibadah if you have the right intention. Mm. And that's what we say. But it's almost just a catchphrase now. But are we internalizing that? Abu al-Hassan Nadwi, rahimahullah, he said, and he said this like more than 50 years ago and it applies more today. And he said, the problem with Muslims today is not bad intentions. Mm. The problem with Muslims is no intention. So even if we eat with the right hand, it's not because it's sunnah. We just yeah. eat with the right hand because our mum told, taught us to eat with our hand. So are we getting reward for that? Allah mm. Are we connecting that back to Allah? So not everyone has to be a scholar, not everyone has to be a student of knowledge, not everyone has to memorize the entire Qur'an or anything like this. But the key is, I mean, are we connecting everything consciously and inherently back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You know, is our day a, you know, Allah-centric, religion-centric thing? Mm. So the Sahaba who worked longer hours than we do, however, they would pray every prayer in the masjid if they, if they were able to, mm. if, they were, if it was in their vicinity. So obviously if you're working, you don't have a masjid nearby. Yeah. But, you know, are you, are you making that effort? Are you, are you trying to do jama'ah with your colleagues? Are, are you trying, you know, basically, they were conscious of God throughout the whole day, but they had to, like, notwithstanding their God consciousness, they had to work. Mm-hmm. Whereas we are working all day, and notwithstanding our work, we have to think of Allah. Like, sometimes we have to make an active effort. Of, okay, let me spend half an hour thinking about Allah. Yeah. They would be thinking about Allah the whole day. While they're working, for example, if they had a farm, they'll be doing dhikr while they're doing each thing. Right, or if they're trading, they would be trading ethically only because Allah instructed them to. Then, as soon as they hear the adhan, they would stop what they're doing, then they would go pray jama'ah in the morning before the you know, before work starts. They're spending an hour doing dhikr when they go home. You know, the sunnah, as we, you know, praying, praying uh, the congreg- con- congregation prayer, the jama'ah, is sunnah to do that in the mosque. Mm. However, the sunnah prayers. It's sunnah to pray sunnah at home. At home yeah. So the sahaba, they would pray sunnah at home, then they would go to the mosque, then they would go home. So the Prophet ﷺ said, don't make your homes graves. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah? you're only praying in the mosque and you're not doing anything at home. Mm. I think that's the key difference. So if we want to close, we can close on to say that 
not just as a cliche, not just as a catchphrase, but let's make an active effort to have our life revolve around, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rather than using the deen to revolve around. So it's not like saying, how can I fit my prayers during the day? No, have those prayers in the day. How can I fit my work around the prayer? How can I fit my studies around the prayer? Mm. And then you'll see, like, you'll, you'll, you'll view life in, in, in a new light. Mm. You know what? Really good tips, and uh, yeah. honestly, I've really, really enjoyed. Oh, likewise, conversation. We should do round two, yeah. inshallah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Inshallah, you know, the next time we invite you, Doctor Salah. Inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. Honestly, inshallah. thank you so much for your time, yeah. and uh, we wish you all the best in your studies and, and everything else that you're doing. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala bless you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I'm sure uh, our young viewers, viewers and listeners, would appreciate. Uh, this this episode, inshallah, and hopefully you benefited. Of course, do keep in mind as well, you know, like a lot of things we discussed. You know, we're not giving expert advice. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, do do check these things up. And and like brother Salah kept mentioning that, you know, like you need to of, of course like reapply it to yourselves. So you know, anything that we might have mentioned, it, it's applicable to ourselves. But I think uh, for yourselves, inshallah, go away and really think about these things and think about you know whether you're a student or or, or you're working, where you have a business or wherever it might be. Um, really see how you can inshallah use these general tips to bring into your own lives and become more productive and and ultimately we said like to become more uh focused on allah and and, and the deen inshallah um, may allah bless you all thank you again so much for for tuning in and for listening uh, to this amazing podcast uh definitely please do um subscribe to our youtube channel uh continue spreading the word uh, and sharing the podcast and inshallah until next time from myself shabir your host from Brother Salah and the rest of the Umfi team. We'll see you then. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.